Hi, I'm Daniel Lickens and welcome to Music 101. Music 101 is created in power, legendary icon in the music industry, musicians and a lot more. And today I have my special guest, International 2020 Record Release with Deco, one of music group. And of course, Intention Beats Challenge, no other than <laughs> Mr. Steven D. Joseph. Yes, hi, hi, Daniel. Good to see you, hear you again. <laughs> Not see you, but I hear you. <laughs> so, Mr. Steven, can you please introduce yourself? Sure thing. Uh, my name is Stephen Joseph. I'm a Philadelphia-based artist. Um, I've toured a lot. I've played a lot. I've got a lot of albums. And um, the most exciting thing that's happened for me in this year is that I got with the label Deco Entertainment and consequently distributed with my new album through the Warner Music Group. And um, I'm a pianist, vocalist, guitarist, um, producer, filmmaker, uh, you know, it's the Renaissance reality of, of this of the day, you know, <laughs> that's more or less what's happened, I think, with computers, you know, it's given us um, the ability to do a lot of things. So we got to kind of rein ourselves in. <laughs> How do you classify your or categorize your music? Um, well, the current album is I, I, it's basically being called alternative pop progressive folk because it kind of crosses over. Um, in a few places, acoustically, um, electronically. Um, sometimes there's a band, like some of the songs are band-oriented songs and some are solo. So, um, but it's, you know, it's a collection of songs that I um, wrote over a, a good period of time, as I mentioned before. And um, so, you know, the styles, I guess, like I said, the, the, that pretty much frames the styles of alternative pop, progressive folk. Mm, interesting. So, <laughs> what defines a uh, genre alternative music, pop or alternative pop music from other genre? I think because um, I think you know, pop is often what's popular, you know, or currently popular. Yes. <laughs> but <you> know, <laughs> and um, there's a there's a there's a genre when I first had some of these songs out which was like adult contemporary. And I suppose that's where some of this stuff fell uh, because, you know, it sort of leans into maybe some influences uh, like uh, the Beatles, Peter Gabriel, uh, Bruce Hornsby, um, Sting, you know, just those kinds of artists were who influenced me most uh, in my, as I grew up and I was writing and, um, so, they, you know, now it's a little shifted alternative uh, or should I say contemporary uh, adult contemporary. Now there's like so many genres you can't really shake a stick at them, you know, but uh, uh, at least we wanted to, you know, if it got in the pop, pop, the pop, the, the pop folk songwriter realm with uh, some spice, you know, that's what what seemed to that seems to set it enough in a place where people can go, OK, well, that, I kind of know what it's going to be. It's. But I always want people to listen, you know. I think that's the most important thing. You you hear something and you go, oh, well, that's kind of like that, but I like it, you know, whatever, you know. Yes, certainly. And well said. 
Mr. Steven, so can you name a similar alternative other contemporary from the <laughs> 1990s? <laughs> from the 1990s or either, either 80s or whatever you want to decide. Like, in other words, uh, name, uh, I mean, other artists of that time that I sort of... Uh... Yes, fell under, yeah. so to speak. Well, I did mention them actually. <laughs> I uh, <laughs> mentioned, like there was, you know, there was Bruce Hornsby, there was uh, uh, Sting, there's Peter Gabriel, um, Elvis Costello. Uh, gosh, then I got into the prog rock guys, which some of the prog leaked over into my work, you know. Um, in the, into this particular project, I have other projects, which is definitely much more prog, but um. Those guys, I said, would mostly influence me. Beck, uh, Paul Simon, um, just all these, you know, creative people. <laughs> Everybody was so very unique at a certain point, you know. Uh, they really would. There was you, you wouldn't confuse anyone for the other artists, you know. And I, I liked that about that era, you know. People stood That's out right. as a specific uh, direction, you know. Can you name a song that? epitomize the adult contemporary genre and explain why uh, name name a song that would be in that well um i suppose um um and with, now are we talking the 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 genre of the 90s or the 2000s <laughs> or now <laughs> or now it's up to you yeah when you decide okay well you know now it's i don't know that i could um, <laughs> um I, I know there are certain artists that you know um are, are doing things that um kind of fall into that realm but everything is pretty uh spread out and and it's not as um i don't know it's not as clear to me <laughs> you know with the volume of stuff that comes out but but i can say you know that in in early 2000s and the 90s and the 80s you know there were uh the garage bands in the '90s, you know, the, alter the alternative rock, um, you know, Nirvana and all those kinds of bands. Um, so, gosh, it's so hard <laughs> to pick a tune. Okay, let's yes. just say. Um, so, uh, the adult contemporary I might growing up with would be like, um, you know, Peter Gabriel and In Your Eyes. You know, that mm. would be to, that was a sort of pop uh, crossover world music kind of thing but it was definitely falling into the adult contemporary um realm in terms of that whole a lot of that album did so uh-huh yes there we go <laughs> there we go very well said mr steven so what role has reggae played in the popularity of promotion of adult contemporary music ah uh, radio radio yes um for my own work or for the work in general? <laughs> in general. Let's compare your work and to general uh, yeah. aspect. I, well, I'd say, you know, radio. Radio is a tough one because, I mean, you know, there's so much it costs to be on radio, you know, and it's usually uh, the large, the radio stations that are reach far and wide are you know that aren't on the internet or should i say that stand without the internet broadcasts um those are pretty expensive to get on you know and and if you're going to get on them you usually have some um a, a, a label drive to do it you know um so uh, the internet radio has made 
has filled in some gaps, you know, where like what we're doing today has <laughs> not, not been so possible given then. Uh, so I think um, uh, radio is, it is still important. You know, I, I think it's still important to get music out and heard because, you know, but you do have things like Sirius and you have all, all Pandora and all that that's in your car, you know? <laughs> so it's hard, yeah. it's really hard. You know, the day, the days of, of the DJ and the very fixed show, you know, you go, Oh yeah, that's going to be so-and-so so-and-so's show at 10 AM. And, and it's, and they're going to play all this great music. There's all this new music coming out, but that's, I don't know how that happens now. It's not the same. <laughs> yes, totally not the same. So before we go on, I want to shout out to the people listening in Brazil. Obrigado, obrigado, Brazil, for, <laughs> for supporting this podcast. Because in Sao Paulo, I got 50% audience share. Okay. Rio de Janeiro, 19%. Rio Grande Sul, Oh, they have a good beach in uh, Rio Grande do Sul. I got 13%. Uh, my uh, Menes Greas at 6%. Prana at 6%. And a lot more. Thank wow. you, Brazil. Obrigado, obrigado. Obrigada, I should say, for supporting <laughs> this podcast. Because this podcast is created to empower uh, musicians all over the world. Like Mr. Steven D. Joseph. Oh, so, Mr. Steven, yeah. how? That's my next question. How has the sound of adult contemporary music evolved from the 1980s to the present? Um, let's see. Evolved. Um, there's more electronics, <laughs> it seems to me. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, the the sampling world, the sounds, the the sound palette that's available, uh, is and the and the pricing in order to get to that sound is is so much more affordable. Um, you know, you had innovators back in the eighties, seventies, eighties that were um, they were just making sounds that were just wow, you know, they wowed people, and and then they became. You know now they show up in these in these uh, modules, uh, synthesizer modules, which are oftentimes software, and they're called vintage synths. <laughs> you know, so vintage synths. Yeah, they're vintage. <laughs> now they're now the '80s is vintage, of course, and and um, so I think uh, the difference now is, of course, it is it's you know it, it's built on what developed in the '80s. Everything I think. Generally, it's usually how it happens that in history, you know, chronologically, that what was started at one point is developed further. Now, I don't know that it's, I can't say. I mean, sonically, yes, things have gotten Im improved and visually and resolution and all that stuff, but it doesn't make it better. <laughs> that's, that's my conclusion, you know, because I hear albums from the 70s that will stand against any album. And may, if you remaster them, they sound just as loud. And now, you know, but musically, they just did something that now isn't doing. Yes, certainly. Yeah. And I love yeah. a 1980s music as well yeah. as the 70s. They uh -huh. define what really music is. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, I think they, they laid the foundation. Yeah. 
Yes, indeed. What distinguishes adult contemporary music from <laughs> the mainstream pop? Well, it's funny. They used to say, well, adult themes, which sounds like pornography, but it's not. <laughs> you know, it just, I guess it just meant that the lyrics were more, um, more probing, more deep, maybe, than like pop music is, you know, it could be, I love you, I love you, I love you. And then the, the, the more adult contemporary would be like, I love you because all the stuff we've been through. <laughs> I don't yes. know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, in that realm, my, my music definitely goes into, you know, uh, stories, challenging things, happy things, you know. So I think that's why I fit into that category. You know, more of a listening uh, kind of a thing. It's certainly not a dancing thing necessarily, you know. <laughs> I have one danceable tune in there. Yes. Actually, maybe uh, they're so all dancing. <laughs> if you compare your album to what we're talking about, is there a relation? Yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, um, you know, the th thematically, it's got different um, different storylines that that deal with um, per, you know personal loss uh, challenges. Um, uh, you know, these kinds of themes. Uh, it, 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 so it fits. It fits within that uh, that realm, you know, within the realm of the adult contemporary style, and also um, that's that's how it's likened. That's how I think it matches up to that those kinds of artists. Mm, yes. So, what is the significance of crossover hits in adult contemporary genre? Well, I, I think I think it gives you know. I mean. I think as with any style, um, you know, <clears throat> it gives people something, another aspect because there's so many varieties of, of styles that um, people listen to and, and that is available. The palette of music is bad. So I think <clears throat> the significance of it next to pop is that it gives people another aspect of, Something that's falling near pop, but it's not exactly pop, you know? Mm, yes, for sure. Definitely, Mr. Steven. So how do artists transition into adult contemporary genre from other music styles? You know, it's a good question. <laughs> because <laughs> I, I think what happens is that, um, you know, some an artist explores a style and uh, maybe they have success with it. You know, uh, I think particularly if you have success with a specific genre or an approach to writing, um, you know, you follow that path and you ride it out until you either, you know, you're bored with it or or you want to do something different. Uh, or you just want to expand some. Sometimes people just want to do remain with the same approach and that's fine, too. Uh, I guess um, I think mo a lot of artists feel they want to expand. And so maybe they try something different, you know, uh, for them, you know, something like if somebody goes from like, I forget, uh, there was a pop guy. There was a guy named Robert Hazard, uh, who's departed now, but he, um, he, you know, he was from Philly and he did a, a pretty strong pop synth, like, you know, thing that took off and he sold some songs to, or licensed songs to some big artists. And then he started at a certain point doing acoustic stuff, you know, like a, so I just think artists, like I say, get interested because they're artists, they want to try different things, you know, and 
I I have that disease. <laughs> but before we go on, Mr. Steven, I want to I I want to invite you to listen to my other podcast, Book One Hundred One Review, on my fourth season, people. And please do listen to my latest episode. I interviewed one of the top-rated podcast hosts, best-selling author, and the leader in the field of habit change. Leadership and science of self mastery, no other than Mr. John Miles. So please do listen. Plus, one more. Our books are out. Not only one, but three volumes. People, book one oh one, volume one, highly recommended. Volume two, suggestion. Volume three, recommended. Available on Amazon and leading online bookstores <laughs> worldwide. So, Mr. Stephen, let's talk about. Your albums, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell us your first albums and how did you crafted it? That my first album, to be exact, was a cassette, and it was an EP, and it was it was made up of a whole mishmash of styles. You know, I had a vocal thing, I had an instrumental thing, and I think it was just me uh, reaching for what. I could do as a solo artist. Um, um, so it, it, it's called Connect It. And I never have never been that I might be leaking some of it. You know, it was recorded lo-fi and um, but there's some cool stuff on it, you know. So as I go through the process of remastering things, I, I may be leaking that out on my website, you know, <laughs> so a few of the cuts. Then, you know, that led to. Um, um, a project where I got um, I got hired to create instrumental music for a new age label. And so that was a whole other thing that <laughs> opened up and eventually, you know, so that, okay. So that's, that's the beginning. I don't know how far you want me to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So how many, how many tracks are there in your first album? How many cuts? Yes. Um, there's five in my, sure. it, it was an EP length and, um, there were five cuts. They were, um, yeah, cassette. <laughs> it was a cassette three on one side, two on the other. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. It's vintage. <laughs> <laughs> it's totally vintage. Yeah. <laughs> so for those tracks, Mr. Steven, what for you is the easiest way to compose? Wow. Um, nothing was easy. <laughs> um, but uh, so the way I approached it, basically, you're asking, I think, and um, I, I would I would sit and, um, you know, work with ideas that I get in melodies that would hit me. And uh, in the case of the instrumental pieces, I developed them as I would like a classical piece with multiple themes, you know. Uh, the tie together and if it was a more vocal uh pop oriented song then you know there were less of those but with these with these particular cuts on that uh early album um there was uh, uh, the influences were uh pretty eclectic and and pretty uh progressive some of them you know <laughs> so i got so i i just would work with the themes and and the textures and and the instrumentation and Till I got to where I liked it, you know. Yes. So, if you have 
tracks that easy for you to do? What are the hardest uh, tracks to write it down or to compose? The hardest uh, parts of it? Yes. The hardest part was probably getting it recorded well, you know, or, or at least reasonable, you know. Because, um, you know, it like I said, it was like my first my first album <laughs> my first recording <laughs> effort and um you know i didn't have the funds that i needed to go and just to a good studio and let the guy do it so i worked with a friend who had a home studio and um you know it, it, i think the challenges that were there would have been avoided in a regular studio <laughs> but that said you know um we did a pretty good job <laughs> you know some of it was some of it i recorded on my own in another location with a piece of equipment that I rented, you know? So, but it's interesting, you know, nowadays it's just like, uh, you just sit down in front of your computer and you can just go to town on it, you know, and have a good uh, sound because it's insulated, you know? Yeah. So Mr. Steven, what did you learn from your first album? <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, quality is pinnacle. <laughs> Uh, the quality oh of the God, recording, because, you know, um, it does, like I said, you know, it did reflect, it, it reflects my abilities and, and the talent that's there. But um, the audio quality was really not quite enough to be able to uh, say, okay, it's perfect. You know, it's like, it's up to snuff or anything, you know. Uh, so, you know, I wish it were, because right now it'd be really cool to Relief, but you know, I could redo things. There's things that can be redone. So that was the lesson. Yeah. Go for quality. <laughs> Go for quality, people, for sure, not quantity. In comparison to the second album, um, yes, to I your first album, what is something you're proud of? Ah, so I, 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 with, I would say I'm, I'm proud of the compositions, uh, the way they were uh, built. You know, the way things were, were arranged and um you know in so in comparison to the first album i i think i don't know if i would call the the, the arrangements better or i the recording was better for sure and and the quality was was more pre the resolution was quite but i do feel i did feel strongly about the pieces at least creatively on the first album so <laughs> Very well said, Mr. Mm -hmm. Steven. And can you please invite our listeners to support your latest album or all your albums? Oh, yeah. That I would love. Um, <laughs> I, I, I invite you to my website, which is which is stephendjoseph.com. And it's S-T-E-P-H-E-N-D-I-J-O-S-E-P-H. stephendjoseph.com. And that will take you into everything I've done and what I'm doing and what I hope to do. And, and it links to my socials and all that. And, yes. and the label that this record's on. Yeah. Yes, people, let's support Mr. Stephen D. Joseph because if you support him, more, more songs, more albums to yes. come. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So, Mr. Stephen, for <clears throat> sure. I'm going to ask you to sing a song <laughs> from the tracks of your first album. <laughs> uh, I, my I first album? Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> I don't know that I can. 
or anything, anything, your song that you want to render to our listeners. Okay, um, uh, I'll sing uh, probably, um, uh, this is something from the current album, and it's called Ride. So I'll just do a little bit of that. Yes. Are you happy in a universe where the brightest star is you? And do you notice when I'm missing? Or is your ego big enough for two? Don't you wonder at the sunlight and the moonlight? Don't you count the stars in the sky at night? Don't you wonder how they got there burning? Don't you wonder when they die? There you go. <laughs> wow, it's good for uh, background music for an anime. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, yes, right. I'm telling you. Yeah, I'm telling you when I'm listening to it. It's That's cool. That it's good for anime background. Like, Very cool. That's inspiring know, to think. Yeah, that's awesome. Life, lion. Uh, what is lion and the king? What's that? King. Oh wow. Yeah. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Yes, it's good for the background. background Very cool music. I, I would suggest. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Okay. People, you listen to the golden voice of Mr. Stephen D. Joseph. And thank you so much for doing that. Because of my guests, they don't want to sing. <laughs> just, you know, it was, just, I was so surprised the last time you asked me. And I was like, you know, what the heck? Why not? You know? <laughs> I was like, cool, cool. This is fun. I, I like being challenged. And I like, you know, opportunity to step out of the comfort zone, you know. <laughs> Definitely. Thank you for your time, Mr. Stephen. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. Bodyguard people, see you soon.